Well, a landmark in 1988, we started having landmarks in northwestern Pennsylvania, and the Lord gave me that name, landmark, and I asked him why. The Lord does that to me sometimes. Uh, he'd tell me something, and I have absolutely no idea what he's talking about. It's like talking to your boss. You got to ask questions, you know. And uh, I said, landmark, why are we calling it a landmark? And the uh, Lord said, look it up. So I looked it up in Webster's, and it said a landmark is, a, is two things. Number one, it's a firmly fixed object by which you can orient yourself. See, every once in a while, we need to, we need to orient ourselves. We need to reexamine our place in life. We need to look at our priorities. We need to let the Lord make adjustments. Amen. Right? And uh, the second definition was it's a high point over a period of time. That's a landmark. A high point over a period of time. Well, that's a celebration. Amen. Amen. So once a year, we have a high point over a period of time. It's just good to let loose. Amen. And, and celebrate what God has done amongst us and fellowship of ministers that God has uh, supernaturally brought together, not by the arm of the flesh or by the power of organization, but by the power of the Spirit. To me, people say, well, what is our motto? That, that's it right there. It's divine appointments and people meet and sometimes it's a handshake, but you know you're going to see them again. I remember when I first met Pastor Bill, uh, Terry and I pulled into a hotel. They'd reserved a room for us over in York and that was real sweet and nice. And I'd never met him before in my life. I'm not, was it Janny that set us up? That's what it was. And uh, so it was, we got into the hotel like midnight. And I just got checked into the room. And, and uh, Bill said he'd meet me in the, in the lobby. They had a little chair there. So I told my wife, well, you know, I've got to be courteous and meet the pastor. You know, we're here, we're here to see Janie Grind, but I've got to at least say hi. He's paying for the hotel room, you know. I don't know who he is. I'll just go down and say hi. I'll be back in three or four minutes. <sighs> it was about three or four in the morning <laughs> but you, you know we've all experienced those times you sit down with a brother in the Lord or, or a sister in the Lord and the spirit of God gets in your conversation and heart speaks to heart deep speaks to deep and all of a sudden there's a connection and you can't fake that you can't manufacture that you know and if you would you'd mess it up you got to let it be drawn by the Spirit of the Lord. And, and so I've seen a lot of different organizations that, that tend, in my opinion, and it's just my opinion, but they tend more to the arm of the flesh and the power of organization. And if I've learned anything about the flesh in ministry, is whatever you do in ministry by the flesh, you got to back it up by the flesh to keep it going. So if you're going to do something in the flesh, you better be prepared to stay in the flesh. But if you do it by the Spirit, Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And you can do incredible things with very little. I've always been amazed at that uh, in, in our ministry, how many times we've had testimonies. And I'm sure many of you have had the same kind of testimonies because you follow the same Spirit. It, it's, it's, uh, we'd have guest speakers come in, for example. And they'd look around and they'd say, wow, we've we been seeing what you've been doing, but we didn't know you were so small. 
And, and it's like, yeah, well, we're doing more than what some of the larger churches are doing because we're doing it by the Spirit. And, and you can do that. Hallelujah. And I believe tonight's, the effects of tonight are going to be a whole lot bigger than you realize. Amen. You, you just taste it in the Spirit. There's, a, there's, a, there's an echo. There's a, there's a ripple effect. There's a sowing and reaping that continues. And I know we're all eager to see what God does this, this week. So, so again, keep your ears open to what the Spirit would say to you. We really want the landmark to be a time uh, where we're able to minister to ministers. We've got a lot of ministers here. We want you to have a time apart. When Jesus sent the disciples out and they went out casting out devils and healing the sick, he brought them, he brought them apart. And he said, come, you know, let's come apart and rest for a while. And there is a principle. If you don't come apart and rest for a while, you will come apart. You, you, you need the, the Holy Ghost to, to, to refresh you, lift you up, inspire you, show you a few more things that's possible in your future. Because I know, I know what you wrestle with. I know you look at your ministry and your future and you say it's impossible. What I need is a miracle. There, I can't get God's will done without a miracle. And that's right. Because anything else, you don't need the Lord. He wants to put you in a hard spot. He wants to put you in a place where you're looking square in the face of the biggest Goliath you've ever met. But it's okay. Put your, put your hands in your pocket. You'll find a couple stones in there. And, and you may not even remember where you got them from, but they'll work. God will see you through. Sometimes we get into the fellowship of other brothers and sisters of like precious faith. And it helps us, it helps us realize, you know, shake ourselves. We're not going to go under. We're not going to sink. We're not going to quit. My, my, my. Not going to quit. We're just getting started. Yeah. Amen. I mean, Pop's 91. I'm, I'm just a young pup. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. And Shane, he's just a juvenile. Praise <laughs> God. He's, he's just a young man. Get them hands up, Shane. Get them hands up over Yes, that's it. Hallelujah. We, we were laughing. He came to church first time at Pastor Bill over there at Abundant Life and I was the guest speaker and what what denomination were you? Brethren in Christ you don't raise your hands in the Brethren in Christ church I don't think you did <laughs> Jesus showed up the Holy Spirit showed up and Shane's still lifting his hands up hallelujah <laughs> Let's open our Bibles together to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I was asking the Lord which way to go. I feel like a mosquito in a nudist colony. I know what I want to do. I just don't know where to start. It's just, it's just all good. <laughs> Somebody say joy. Whoo, belly up to the bar, take another drink. Hallelujah. Well, we need joy in this hour. 
Glory to God. At destruction and famine, Job said, I will laugh. <laughs> Just laugh at them borders. Just laugh. <laughs> i tell you what, I, I love seeing the Spirit of God on, on different ministries and how the Lord uses them. I've just been so blessed to see the years. And I remember one of the first times I went, I think it was the first time I went to and saw those little girls. They were just tiny little things. Amen. Now they're all up and married, or almost. you got one that's not married. And uh, multiplying, reproducing. Glory to God. Hallelujah. We had a meeting... We had a Holy Ghost meeting. I don't even know what year that was. Invited me over to speak on the baptism of the Holy Ghost to a room full of, well, everything that you could think of was in that room. We had Orthodox ministers and Baptists and all kinds of stuff. They shouldn't have been able to get them all in the same room. I'm not quite sure how you did. And I remember came to me and said, we just get a handful of these guys filled with the Holy Ghost. It'll be a victory. It'll, it'll shake and then they'd, they'd been fasting and praying, and, and, I, and I think I spoke the first time, and the power of God fell, and that whole room got filled with the Holy Ghost. They all started speaking in tongues, because <laughs> the environment was ready. Yeah, I mean, they were just ready. They all fell in. You play around on the slippery creek bank, you're going to fall in. They all fell in. And I'm, <laughs> I remember after the service was over, back there in the corner, he's, he's got his Bible out, and he's crying. And I said, you okay? And he says, yeah, I just don't know what to do. I don't know what to teach now. It's, it, they, they, I was going to teach on the baptism, and now they got it. <laughs> Isn't it good when the Holy Ghost is in charge? Yeah. Whew, what's he want to do tonight? Let's let him do it in our lives. Is your, is your life yielded to him? Let them have it. There's victory in this place. There's triumph in this place. There's glory in this place because the Lord God Almighty is in this yeah. place. Glory in His presence. Rest in His faithfulness. Let your praises rise to God. There's victory in this place. There's triumph in this place. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 15, 57. Thanks be to God, which gives us the victory. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Victory. Pabieda. Therefore, my beloved brethren. Why? Because you got victory. And you won't be able to do it until you have victory. Most people think victory comes after the battle. But the spirit of victory comes before the battle. And that's an important lesson. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory. Therefore, because you got the victory, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. 
That means always doing more for Jesus. It's just that simple. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know, and you need to know this because some of us forget. Sometimes it gets so hard you forget and you slip into some depressing thoughts and you think you've wasted your time and you think that what you did wasn't valuable. No, you need to know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. What you've done for the Lord always produces. It always produces. It always produces. But you've got to take it by faith. Because that's how you measure your successes. Victory isn't worldly success. And it's important to see that. See, how, I, I don't know who, who told me this. I'm sure it wasn't me, but I've preached it so many times, I've stolen it. Uh, how you define success will define you. See, if I tell Bob, hey, I left my handkerchief in the car, would you go get it for me? He'd jump up and run out to my car, he gets to the car and finds out it's locked. He comes back and he says, I'm, I'm sorry, I don't have your handkerchief. He wasn't successful in the world's eyes because he didn't get the results. But he was faithful and he did what I asked him to do. See, success in the kingdom of God is obedience. It's, it's not necessarily world renown or achievement or accomplishment or numbers or money or any of the other measurements. Jeremiah spent a whole lot of time in a well. And there'd be a bunch of ministers would call that unsuccessful. But we're still reading Jeremiah's book. And he was successful because he was obedient to, to obey the Lord. Amen? How you measure success will define you. How you define success will define you. God gives us victory first. So that's why I call it a spirit of victory. It's a spirit that means I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's a spirit that means I don't quit. I don't need to quit. He, he, in, he quickens me. It's a spirit of victory that, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. And until you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you don't know how valuable a spirit of victory is. I told a story before, but it's a good example, and it really impacted me. The importance of having a spirit of victory and knowing that you're where God wants you to be in obedience to the Lord. When I sat, and in, 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 there's three of us sitting in the corner of the Intercontinental Hotel in Kiev, and the guy across from me leans forward and says, I was offered $30,000 to kill you. And I said, uh-huh. And he said, no, I'm serious. I said, I know you're serious. He says, well, you, you don't even act surprised. I said, well, I don't have to be afraid. 
and you haven't killed me. <laughs> spirit of victory is really helpful when the spirit of fear is the option. Yeah. A lot of us we're so focused on the fight that we're fighting and we're so much dealing with the spirit of fear. What I've learned is a lot like worry. You won't worry if you get your mind thinking on other things that are valuable and, pro and positive. You know how it is. You try to chase off some thought. You know, you're worried about something and you, you, you say, I'm going to stop thinking about that. Then you walk into the kitchen to get a drink of water and you're standing there drinking the water thinking about it again. Because wherever you threw it, it just came back like a, a, a boomerang and, and launched, you know, landed on your shoulders. And there you are thinking about it again. You have to replace that thought with a greater thought. Sorry for spitting on you there, but it's anointing. <laughs> just rub it all over. <laughs> Thank God we're not on video. <laughs> but... The same with the spirit of victory. You can try to fight the spirit of fear till, you, till, till you've lost all your, your, your stamina. You don't need to fight the spirit of fear. You resist the spirit of fear. What you need is the spirit of victory. And you, you don't give the devil any, any foothold, Ephesians says. Literally, topos, which is where we get topographical map. map. Don't even give him a toehold. Not even a little, little scratch to hold on to. Why? Because you've just got too much victory. A spirit of victory. Thank God for a spirit of victory. And when you have that spirit of victory, well, you'll be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. In other words, because you have a spirit of victory, what you did last year, you'll, you'll, you'll do more this year because of that spirit of victory. Your, your ministry will grow. Your effectiveness will grow. You, you'll be able to do more with less. And, and you'll realize that always that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You know how the devil does it. You share Jesus with someone. And then you walk away and the devil comes and tells you, well, you know, he didn't receive that. Well, that ought to be the first indication that he did. Why is the devil wasting time telling you he didn't? Amen? Just meet it with a spirit of victory. Glory to God, that went right into his heart. That old sour puss is going to just wither and repent and come to Jesus. Amen. Flip over to 2 Corinthians 2. What, what was the interpretation in tongues? There's victory in this place. There's triumph in this place. 2 Corinthians 2 verse 14. I think God knew what I was going to preach on. Now thanks be unto God. Which always causes us to triumph in Christ and makes manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. You even smell like victory. You walk in a room and it gets people's attention. You're not a loser. That, guy, that guy's an achiever. He does something. Who is he? Fun to walk in the room. And they, most of them think I'm military. Because they say, you carry yourself with authority. I say, well, I'm in the Lord's army. You know what you don't know? You don't know. <laughs> but it's fun. They're, they do. They recognize it. They recognize it in you, too. You're different. People, people should see victory in you. 
people you work with, they ought, to, they ought to recognize there's something about that person. They don't never take sick leave. They, they don't seem to have troubles, or if they have troubles, they seem to have answers. How many of you know faith doesn't mean you don't have problems? Faith means you, you got the answers. Amen? Doesn't, doesn't mean that trouble's not going to come. He said, when, when I got to go through the river, it won't overwhelm me. When I go through the fire, it won't kindle upon me. Still got troubles. In fact, you get more sometimes. Amen. Get the old slew foot riled up and the devil will want to come and attack you. Take it as a badge of honor. I made the devil mad. Hallelujah. It's like one bumper sticker I saw one time on the, on the back of the car in Tulsa. It said, have you tormented the devil lately? I like that. Lester Summerall used to get out of bed, learned it from Smith Wigglesworth, get out of bed and say, Devil, I'm up. <laughs> Amen. That's victory. You got to have a spirit of victory. You have to demand it of yourself. Oh, no, we're not going to lose. We're going to win. We're going to make it. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, you're going to make it. Victory. Turn with me over to the book of Acts, chapter 16. Let's start in verse 6. Speaking to ministers, it's important to be led by the Holy Spirit. And I think in our day, more so than perhaps in others, we have to be led with accuracy. And you've got to put a demand upon your life to produce that accuracy. I remember Bruce Latibu and I went into uh, Minsk, Belarus in 1993. And uh, we were blessed to be a part of a pastor's conference. Six, seven hundred pastors that came from all over the former Soviet. And uh, we got to fellowshipping with them. We had some good translators. And we got to meet a bunch of tremendous men of God who'd been raised up under a level of persecution that, you know, you and I just don't know anything about it. Can't even relate. You know, you sit and listen to stories about pastors being... Uh, put into the insane asylums because they believe in God and going through electroshock therapy to try to correct this mental instability because they believe there is a God being subjected to being submerged underwater, not waterboarding, just literally stuck in the bathtub and, and brought back up and resuscitated because they're preaching the gospel. Then being let out and going right back in the pulpit and preach again. And, uh, but one of, the, one of the folks was telling us a testimony, I've never forgotten it, that they realized in their church, the underground church, that they had a, 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 an informant. Because they'd meet somewhere, and the KGB would show up and round them all up. And so now, what are they going to do? They, they got an informant. So they just let it out. Uh, we're not going to tell you where we're meeting. You pray. And the Lord will show you where we're meeting. And next, next time they met, they were all there except for one. 
That's accuracy. Now, why did they have that accuracy? Because there was a pressure in the circumstances that called upon them to come up a level. The first thing you've got to realize is they're all capable of it. And the first thing that I hope you all have here in it with the spirit of victory is miracles aren't just for the minister and the pulpit. Miracles aren't just for the TV evangelist. Miracles aren't just for the missionary that gets on the plane. Miracles, miracles are for the mother and father taking care of their, their wayward kids. Amen. Yeah. Zach's here, I remember, when he was a little boy and him and Ethan got into some alcohol and were having a party without us and <laughs> the Holy Ghost caught him. I remember Zach sitting there crying. It's just not fair. Whatever we do, the Holy Ghost shows you what we're doing. <laughs> You got that right, boy. But now he's got kids of his own. Oh, poor Bryce and Dax don't have a chance. <laughs> the miraculous and the walk of the supernatural is for everyone. The gifts of the Spirit belong to everyone. Doesn't matter how old you are. Amen? A little child will lead them. That's why the Bible says to covet. Paul said covet prophecy. And, and in the context of what he was talking about, I don't care if the prophetic utterance comes through me or through your child. What we want is prophecy in the church. Amen. And we've got to be open to that. We have to demand this of ourselves to, to walk in the higher degrees of accuracy and being led by the Spirit in all aspects of our life and, and in all aspects of church ministry. Now here in Acts 16, verse 6, when they'd gone throughout Phrygia, this was a mission team that Paul was leading. Paul liked teams. And the region of Galatia, notice this. When they'd gone through Phrygia and Galatia, they were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. Well, that just doesn't even sound evangelical. God told them not to preach. Well, we don't know why. It could be that the soil wasn't ready for the seeds. could be they might have ended up getting killed if they'd have gone there. Amen. Some missionaries, I remember in India, we had, we had a, a, a missionary in India through YWAM. When all the, I don't know, man, it's been probably 20 years ago when some of the killing went on. There was an outbreak of that. And I know they burned a car and some missionaries were killed in the car she called us, and I had her on the phone, and you could, you could hear the fear and her concern in her voice. And she said, well, a bunch of us, you know, we've decided to make a stand. We're going to stay here and preach the gospel. And I said, no, you're not. She said, you're going to obey the word. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to obey the word. What do, you, what, what do you mean? What do you mean? Jesus said, when they persecute you in one city, flee to the next. See, some of us faith people. We think we've got to stand until they kill us. Jesus said, run. That's what he said. He said, they persecute you in one city, flee. Boy, when I said that to her, I, could, I mean, I'm on the phone, but I could see the light came on in, in, her, in her eyes. See, he, the, the Holy Spirit told him not to minister. That's, that's just unusual. 
well, I've, I've spent the last six years where people said, hey, would you preach and do this? And I've prayed, and the Lord said, no. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. But uh, I'm going to obey the Spirit. Verse 7, after they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia. They want to go into this country of Bithynia. But the Spirit suffered them not. Now, isn't that interesting? They're trying to get, well, we, we can't preach in Galatia. We can't preach in Phrygia. We're forbidden. So let's go over here and preach. But then the Spirit resisted that and said, no. The Spirit suffered them not. So they, passing by Mysia, came down to Troas. Now, underline that word Troas because it's going to become important in a minute. They came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he'd seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. So, so I mean, here we've got two denials where they're trying to do the work of the Lord, and the Lord said, no, don't, don't preach in Galatia. No, you're not going to uh, enter into that country. The Spirit suffered them not. Now, a lot of people would ask me, say, well, how did he do that? Well, ultimately, and we're going we're gonna to see it in a minute in Corinthians, it's got to bear witness in your spirit. Now, we know he had a vision to go into Macedonia. But we're going to find out in a minute that the vision really isn't why he went. See, learn to be led by the Spirit because the Spirit bears witness with your spirit. You'll save yourself a lot of grief. I've had so many parking lot prophecies. You know what a parking lot prophecy is? I've had so many parking lot prophecies. I think people feel they get an extra reward from the Lord when they prophesy to the pastor. It's, it's true. You know, they feel more important. You know, and you get this parking lot prophecy. A few of them, I guess, in my lifetime were, were of the Lord. Most of them were not. But the point is, you judge them all the same, but how does it bear witness to your spirit? I don't just throw them out. The Bible says to test it. Because sometimes... Uh, uh, it is the Lord. It, and you want to respect the spirit of prophecy. But until you get competent to this higher level of accuracy, what if they'd have gone to Mysia? What if they'd gone to Bithynia? What if they'd gone to these places where the spirit of God said, don't go? They wouldn't have been in a position to do what he wanted them to do. Right? And there's a specific woman that wouldn't have got saved. Now, we don't have time to read all this story, but I think if, if you know, you're probably familiar with it. If you're not, I'd encourage you, read it tonight and, 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 and go over what happened because they had this vision. They went into Macedonia and they came into Troas. They went to the city called Philippi and we have an entire book of Philippians because of this. Imagine that. You wouldn't have the book of Philippians to read if they hadn't listened to the Holy Spirit. And they, they developed an accuracy. No, I'm forbidden to preach here. No, the Spirit 
suffers me not to go there. Okay, I'm going to go here, and there's a vision, and I'm, I'm, I'm going through Troas into Macedonia. And they go there, and they go into prayer. And they go to the river, and they cast the devil out of a woman, and she gets saved. And a whole lot is going on for one soul. But God loves souls, doesn't he? I mean, once upon a time, you were one soul. Right? Once upon a time, someone shared the gospel with you. You were one soul. I love Brother Copeland had a testimony years ago. How the, how the Lord woke him up and said, get on a plane and go to Israel. So he got on a plane, he went to Israel thinking he had some sermon to preach or something. And he's in the airport in Israel where he just landed and he bumps into a backslidden believer ministers to him brings him back to Jesus they repent because they saw Brother Copeland they're all bawling oh Brother Copeland they come back to Jesus and the Lord says get back on the plane get back to Dallas <laughs> so he gets back on the plane flies to Fort Worth actually he says Lord what was that all about that's a long way to go for one person and the Lord said how far would you go for your daughter that's his daughter. Right? So all this that's going to take place is over one soul. Now that one soul birthed a church. And Lord only knows what more took, came out of it. We're still blessed because we read the book of Philippians. So I'm really glad that one soul got saved. But what happened then is the city got all upset because there were people making money off this demon-possessed girl. So they took Paul and Silas... And they, they, they threw him into prison. Right? Let's read here. Let's look at verse uh, 22. So the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes, stripped them, commanded to beat them. And when they laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Some preachers get upset if the offering's not very big. These guys... They didn't get a big offering. They got stripped and beaten, thrown into prison. And they, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison. Now, the inner prison means the deepest, the darkest, the one place you're not getting out from. And they made their feet fast in the stalks. Now we're going to find out if you have a spirit of victory or not. Amen. Oh, I mean, how many times we've been in church singing the victory, then we go out in the parking lot and the tire's flat on the car. And we lose our victory. Amen. And uh, my boys always laugh because we'd drive to church and me and Terry would argue and then we'd get to the parking lot and have a parking lot revival. Get out of the, get out of the car and we're holy. Yes, some of you need to repent. That's, that's called flesh. These guys have been beaten, thrown into prison, the kind of prison you don't come out of. Their feet are in chains. And at midnight, in the darkest hour, Paul and Silas prayed 
and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Oh, glory. You can't do that without a spirit of victory. And the spirit of victory comes before the battle's over. I mean, they're in the battle. They're in the thick of the battle. They're in the beginning of the problem. But the spirit of victory is a spirit of praise. And they prayed to God. And they sang praises to God. They didn't hum. They didn't mutter under their breath. They sang out loud with their mouth. Out loud. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the, no, hallelujah. Yeah. And the prisoners heard them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately, now here is something I want you to learn about the spirit of victory. It's contagious. Immediately, all the doors were open. Not just Paul and Silas's door. You think God couldn't just open one door? All the doors were open. See, your victory isn't just private. The victory you need to walk in in your life affects everyone around you. Because that spirit of victory is contagious. All the doors were open. That means that door, that prison door that's on your life that busts open because of the spirit of victory and the spirit of praise on your life, that that door will bust open on on your neighbors, on your children, on your aunts and your uncles, on the grumpy guy at work. (laughs) Amen. All the doors were open. And everyone's bands were loose. I remember uh, I was 16 years old and I was suicidal and I was depressed and I was going to church because I had a drug problem. My mother drugged me. And uh, (laughs) that's so old. That joke is so old. But it's still funny. Yeah. And uh, pastor preached that he found out my mom was speaking in tongues and so he preached against it, and uh, God didn't really like that. There was judgment. pastor said, God willing, I'll preach more on this next week. And he walked to the back of the church and fell over dead. And it rocked the church. It rocked me. I got filled with the Holy Ghost a week later at a Jesus festival. I didn't really go up to the altar. I was kind of debating I was standing out in some field, and uh, thousands of people. The, the guy was a Methodist preacher. What was his name? Dick, uh, Dick Burns. Yeah, Richard Burns, Dick Burns. Methodist preacher got filled with the Holy Ghost, and he's preaching on the baptism of the Holy Ghost. and said, the name of my sermon is, I ate the bird feathers and all. I'll never forget that. That's, that's a sermon title you don't forget. 
And he gave an altar call for people to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And I was debating whether or not I should go up. And I'm standing there. You know, you got blankets on the ground and everything. There's thousands of people. And all these people came up to the altar. I'll bet you I was 30 yards away from the, 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 all, the stage. And so many people came up to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm in the line. I didn't take a step. I'm just in there. They're just all around me. I thought, well, I guess I might as well. And so he prayed in mass and I, start, I, I, I received by faith, started speaking in tongues. Whoo, that was awesome. Glory to God. I, I got something. So then guess what I did? See, the door was open. The bands fell off. So I went back to that little Methodist church and got the entire youth group filled with the Holy Ghost. See, Terry was there, laying hands on every one of them. And I trust they're all still speaking in tongues. See, what God does for you isn't for you. It's to do it through you. To make you the supply line. Hallelujah. Whoo, glory to God. Every man's bands. All the doors. See, that spirit of victory that comes on you then becomes contagious. And we know what happens. The keeper of the prison jumps in there and he's going to commit suicide and Paul stops him and says, I ain't going nowhere till they come and apologize. Now, that's victory. <laughs> that's a spirit of victory. And so they do. They come and apologize, find out he's a Roman citizen. Now they're in trouble. And he starts at church, the Philippian church. Now, flip on over with me, no pun intended, to 2 Corinthians once more. And I want to reread this scripture and put it in context so you understand what Paul is saying. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. He's talking to the Corinthians. And he begins to tell a story. Look here in verse 12. Furthermore, when I came to Troas. Remember that word, that city? That was the jumping off point to go into Macedonia where he was arrested and thrown in prison, beaten, stalks put on his feet. But then they prayed and sang praises to God and the prisoners heard them and the doors were open. All the doors were open and all the chains fell off their hands, right? Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, a door was opened to me of the Lord. That's what he called having the vision. A door was opened to me of the Lord. He didn't say he had a vision, but he did have a vision. He said, a door was opened unto me of the Lord. I had no rest in my spirit. Because I found not Titus my brother, but taking my leave of them, I went from thence into Macedonia. See, Paul didn't reference the vision as the reason for him going into this place, he referenced his spirit. I didn't have any rest where I was, so I went into Macedonia. He's following peace. Some people have asked me recently, you know, well, what do I do? I, got this, I, got, I don't think I have any fear in my heart. I don't think I'm being manipulated by fear. Well, you're asking the wrong question. You're not led by being manipulated or not manipulated by fear. You're being led by peace. Quit talking about fear and start talking about peace. So Paul had this, he didn't have any rest in his spirit where he was. He ends up going into Macedonia. What happened in Macedonia? He got thrown into prison. 
But notice what he says. This is Paul's, I love this, verse 14 is Paul's commentary on being delivered from the prison. Now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. I mean, he had a right to say that. He always causes us to triumph in Christ and he makes manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. And there he is standing in that prison with every door busted wide open and every chain laying on the ground and that keeper of the prison ready to commit suicide. And Paul says, just look at this victory, boy. Don't kill yourself. And we're going to call on the governor to come and repent. And we'll start a church while we're here, too. That's victory. The spirit of victory comes before the battle. Now, thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. I preached this sermon in Abakan, Siberia years ago. This same message. And while it was about halfway through the week. I'd, what I would do is teach Bible school students in the morning for like three hours. And then the evening would be the whole church and community and other churches would come. Bill, Bill's been there a couple times in Abuqa. I don't know if Bill was there this time or not. I don't think he were. I don't remember. But uh, it was about halfway through the week. I think it was, it was either Wednesday or Thursday. And there was a section in the evenings where all the pastors would sit that were from other churches. You know, they'd honor them. So you had a certain section that was Bible school students. Then you had the church kind of behind that. But over here on the right was all these pastors and leaders and dignitaries. You know what I mean? And I noticed while I was preaching this sermon. Man, that anointing's just... Whew! Tingles. You know the anointing's not a tingle, right? <laughs> but sometimes when it... Glory. So I look in this area with these pastors and there's a new guy I'd never seen before and I don't know why when I preach I don't know how you guys are but sometimes somebody's face I just I, I can't I gotta I just keep looking it's like I'm drawn to them you know and sometimes it's good and sometimes it's evil some I preached I preached over in Russia where it would be real evil man and I get drawn to it and I, and, 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 I, and I just get right like this and I just preach and I don't know, this guy's an axe murderer. And then eventually the anointing just melts them, and they'd get saved. But I could feel, it's like resistance, just smother it with the anointing. But then there's other times where it's needs, and it just like sucks you in. And this guy, he's sitting where the pastors are. I've never seen him before, and I'd look at him and want to cry. There's just so much compassion in me and grief I didn't know what it was. And I'm, I'm preaching and I can't really go over there because it distracts me. And, and I'd be preaching. And while I'm preaching, I talk to the Lord. I, I uh, keep a running conversation with him, you know. And, and, and I'm asking the Lord, what about this guy? What about this guy? While I'm preaching, the Lord said, give him $50. Well, back then, $50 was about a month, sorry, in Siberia. And I had it, you know, give them $50. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to give them $50. So after the service and everything's over, you know, you've gone through the Battle of Gettysburg and everyone's been slain in the spirit and, and you've had a, a 
ministry time. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. And, and so a couple hours later, they, they take you into the green room or the, the, the restroom, the area to rest, not the toilet. And, <laughs> and you go in there, and I'm sitting there, and my interpreter, Oleg, I, I, I grab him, I say, Oleg, there's a guy, and I describe him, and he says, yeah, yeah, that's pastor so-and-so. And, and I said, Oleg, uh, can you bring him in here? I got to, I got to minister to him privately. So Oleg goes and gets him and brings him in. And I pull out while while Oleg's bringing him, I pull out my wallet and I don't have fifty dollars. I've only got hundred dollars bills, you know. So I said, well, I'll just give him a hundred dollar bill. And I take the hundred dollar bill and the Spirit of God rebuked me. I said, give him fifty, not a hundred. And I'm like, that's just different, because usually God say, give them 200, you know. I don't know about you and God, but God generally tells me to give more, not less. Right. And, and I'm like, all right, just give him 50. How do you break 100 in Siberia? <laughs> so Oleg comes back in, and I grab him, and I said, uh, Oleg, I, I, you know, I took him aside, and this, this guy standing there, he looks just like death warmed over. He just, he looks devastated. And uh, you got to have a spirit of victory. He didn't have a spirit of victory. He'd lost it. So I, I said to Oleg, can, can, can you break 100? And he's like, well, I'll try. So he takes it and he goes out among the congregation and he comes back with two fifties. Russians, I don't know how they do it. And <laughs> he gives me the two fifties. I put one in my pocket and I call this guy up. And he, he looks at me and Oleg's translating. And I said, while I was preaching, the Lord told me to give you $50. And I held it out. And he just collapsed to the floor, weeping. And I knew it wasn't like a bad thing. It was like a holy thing. And Oleg and I just kind of waited. And finally he gets up. And I learned out later that Oleg knew the story before he really shared it. But he begins to explain. He's a pastor from a city about two hours away. And they had a great church. And his son was the youth pastor and assistant pastor. And his daughter was the worship leader. Church was several hundred people and they had favor in the city until they elected a new mayor who was an atheist and he hated the church so he began to pass laws the first law he passed was he, he no church was allowed to own property then they passed a law no church was allowed to rent property and all the churches were closed out of the whole city so they ended up, several hundred of them, they were the largest church in the city. They ended up meeting in the park. And they would set up their equipment in the park and they'd meet. Now, Siberia isn't really a great place to have church in the park in the winter. But they did it. And I've been in some of them services where them women just pull on them fur coats and you start praying and it looks like a whole bunch of stacks of trains blowing smoke. I mean, it's just, it's incredible. But they were having church in the park. 
Well, he didn't like that either. Then he made a law you had to have a permit to have a public gathering in the park. Well, they didn't, they didn't get the public permit. They weren't given it. They weren't allowed to have it. They tried to get it, but they weren't given a permit. So they went and they had church anyway, and they had their little stage. And he got up on the platform. The police came. They let, they let everything go on with the worship and everything until the preacher started preaching. And then when he started to preach, 10 or 15 policemen would come in with clubs and started beating everybody over the head, grab the pastor and beat him, drug him through the snow to the car, beat, beat, it, beat the life out of his son, who was huge. His son was a big man. And beat them and beat them, put them in the car and take them. They only took the pastor and his son to prison. And they'd throw them in prison. And they wouldn't let them out of prison until they paid the fine. And the fine was the fine was fifty dollars. So the church scraped their money together and paid the fine. This went on five or six weeks. Every week they'd go back and have church. And every week the police would come in and beat them. Drag them off to prison until they paid the $50 fine. The reason he, he didn't show up till Thursday or Wednesday or Thursday is because it took him three days to gather the money because the church didn't have any money anymore. They're all out of money. And he got, they, they, they finally got the money scraped together and his son disowned him when they got out of the prison. Said, I'm done. God's failed us. Where's God through all this? He got bitter. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Amen. But he lost the spirit of victory. And he basically cursed his father and left. His father made it to Abacan on that Wednesday or Thursday. And there he was, just devastated. He didn't have any more money. And this American, who he despised because the American represents wealth and easy life. And you never suffer. You've never gone through hardships. And who do you think you are to teach me? And that, I understand that. Because I've never been through what they went through. It doesn't change the word. And then he comes into the room and he's praying, what do I do, Lord? I don't know if I can go back and preach one more time because I don't have any money. If I go back and preach one more time and they throw me in prison, I'm not getting out. What do I do, Lord? And this American calls him back and gives him $50. Here's your get out of jail free card. Well, the American had the luxury of finishing out the week and getting on a plane and coming back to comfortable America. He had the luxury of going back to his city, getting up on a little platform in the park, starting to preach the gospel, getting a few words out of his mouth. And 10 or 15 police come in with the clubs and start beating everybody and beat the pastor's son and his daughter aren't there. 
drags them off to prison, but they got $50. And he gets out. It was about six months later I went back. And there he was, dressed in a suit with a tie, polished shoes, holding his head up with a victory. And he was the first one Oleg brought to me to tell the testimony. They beat me up. They put me back in prison. We paid the $50. And within two days, the mayor went clinically insane. He's in the insane asylum right now. And a new mayor came in and upended all the laws. We're back in the building. And the mayor came to us to repent and gave us land. Would you please come and preach and dedicate our property? I ain't making that up. So it gets even better. I forgot this part. Before I left, that would have been Wednesday or Thursday, I don't know. But before I left, it was on around the, the Thursday or Friday, in the evening meeting. I'd given him the $50, but he hadn't yet gone back, and I hadn't flown away. But remember about his daughter and his son? I was preaching in the evening service. And while I was preaching, I saw a young man standing against the back wall. And the Lord said, call him up. And I called him up. And I remember Oleg, my interpreter, he gave me the strangest look. And I just called him up and had him stand there. And I just kept on preaching. And here's this guy standing there. And people are looking at him. I knew something was up. The Holy Ghost had hit some kind of target. And I'm preaching. It's good to be ignorant. Because then you can obey the Spirit. Yeah. And so I keep preaching. And I see this girl. She wasn't anywhere near where he had been against the wall. I don't, I think, I don't even remember where she was. She was in the seats. And I just couldn't. And I thought, what? So I went and I said, you, come here. And now, now Oleg's reaction, I knew something was up. <laughs> and I bring her up. And I stand her next to him. And I don't know, you know, if they're related or if they're, you know, what it is. I didn't know they were brother and sister. I didn't know. And they start crying. And they repent. And they get right with God. I didn't, I didn't even have to do anything. They're just standing there melting. And the pastor that I'd given the $50 to, he comes up. And he's just tears streaming down his face. That was his son. And that was his daughter. And God put them back together by that weekend. And they all of them went back. And the mayor went clinically insane. There is a God. There's judgment in the earth. At the root of all that, at the root of all that is the spirit of victory. There's a way out of this, Paul told Silas. This isn't forever. This isn't my end. Jesus appeared to me. I saw my future. I know this isn't where I die. I don't, like Norval Hayes used to say, 
I don't die easy. Somebody say, Pastor Dale, how come you weren't afraid when somebody said they were paid, they were offered $30,000 to kill you? I'll tell you why, because I had a vision when I was 16, and I saw myself as an old man with white hair sitting on a stool on a platform preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I still have the outline. I went home after having that vision and wrote out the outline. I've never preached it. I ain't going to die. I was in a near car accident one time with one of my disciples. And he said, were you afraid? And I said, no, I saw a vision of me when I was old. He says, oh, that's right. We're going to be okay. I said, hey, you weren't in the vision. <laughs> I don't know about you. <laughs> that's your business. <laughs> you get your own spirit of victory. <laughs> He always causes us to triumph in Christ. Always. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, There is no temptation, test, or trial taking you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. And he will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape. Paul turned to Silas and said, There's a way out of here. Silas says, yeah, well, if we die, let's die singing. And they prayed. What do you think they prayed? I wonder what they prayed. Oh, Lord, we know it's the end. We've served you. Oh, thou great God. How great thou art. Look upon us, thy poor servants, in our humble abode. For surely we don't understand thy wisdom and that which you desire to teach us. But we humbly beseech thee. Blah. <laughs> you have to have a spirit of victory. There's a way out of this. There's a way out of this. There's victory here. I can smell victory. Where's the victory? God, where's the victory? There's about only one thing they could do. Let's pray. Let's sing. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. So they prayed, and I believe their prayer would have been a prayer of victory. Yeah. And if they yeah. sang, it wasn't one of these modern-day worship songs. It sounds like it came from a bar where they want you to cry in your beer. Amen. People say, oh, you know, I like to worship. I got all weepy-eyed. Well, wake up. Worship isn't for you. I enjoyed worship. Well, I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it. God didn't. <laughs> he thought you were too full of yourself. Worship's for him, isn't it? Hallelujah. And who knows? You know, if the truth be told, we get to heaven and we get to watch a video of these two dudes chained in the dark, don't be surprised if they can't sing. <laughs> How do you, I have no idea. Maybe Paul couldn't carry a tune in a bucket. Maybe Paul sounded like my dad when he'd sing. Oh, I mean, devils would leave the church when my dad sang. 
it's just that bad. <laughs> and he couldn't clap. I, he could not clap on time. I mean, worship leaders would ask him not to clap because it'd confuse them. <laughs> but he'd always look at you with a big grin and say, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye earth, all ye people. Amen? So there's Paul and Silas. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. Hallelujah. I've got victory in Jesus' name. I'm full of victory. I'm full of faith. There's a way out of here. Hallelujah. You know it was there. It had to be of that spirit. Watch that. Watch for that. I've seen people pray and they don't have a spirit of victory. You can, you can, they get to the end of the prayer and they say, Amen, you want to go hide somewhere. <laughs> Learn to pray with a spirit of victory. I've stopped people when I've seen them pray and I said, Cut that out. Pray again. Pray right. Pray with faith. Pray with victory. Terry and I were teaching a Bible study back in. 84, 83, and in the middle of the Bible study, the phone rang. It was kind of unusual, and it was my father. And he said, Dale, Grandpa's had a stroke, and uh, he's, we're in the hospital. Doctors don't think he's going to make it through the night. My granddad was really, really dear to me, very special, and... Uh, pricked my heart. I said to my dad, I'm on my way. He said, no. He said, Grandpa would want you to finish your sermon. It's just true. My grandfather helped me with the healing ministry. When I started preaching as a lay preacher in the Methodist Church, he was on the front row every time I preached. And, and uh, I didn't know he was suffering from insomnia because every time I started preaching, he'd fall asleep. <laughs> so I, that's when I knew I was called to a healing ministry. Well, he's a farmer, you know, he's out in the cold and all that, and he'd come into that warm church. He wanted to be there to support his grandson, but as soon as he got in there, man, he was, lights out. <laughs> I've, I've got a couple cassette teaching tapes that are pur purposely very, very effective for people suffering insomnia. Listen to this tape twice, you'll sleep like a baby. Anyhow, moving on. Where was I? So, Dad said, no, Grandpa would want you to finish. And he would. He said, you, you, you finish your, your ministry and uh, then give us a call. So, I hung up and went back to the group. And I said, uh, my granddad's doctor says he's not going to live. Let's pray. Now, I'd just come out of the Methodist church about a year before. And I'm not picking on Methodists, but they're easy to do that. But uh, that's just where I was. And. Uh, I had a lot of it left in me. It's amazing how tradition, you, you really got to work at getting unbelief out of your life. And you don't even know it's there. It's sort of like sitting in a restaurant and they're playing some music from 40 years ago and you know all the words. It's like, how do I still know that garbage? Does that ever shock you? It shocks me. It's like, I should, nah. Anyhow, I start praying. You know, we all, we're four or five of us in a group, in a circle, in the living room. 
And we start to pray. And I start praying. And I pray like this. Lord, granddad's lived a good life. You promised his 70 years. He's 72. Thank you for my grandfather. I appreciate all that he's been able to do for me. And I start listening to myself drivel on. And the Spirit of God rose up in me. And you have to demand accuracy of yourself. Otherwise, you'll ignore that scratching. Because, see, what is that? It's grieving the Spirit. Because the Spirit's got victory. He don't quit. The Holy Spirit has never had a depressed day of his life. Amen. He don't have bad days. Holy Spirit doesn't have Blue Mondays or Green Tuesdays or whatever it is. He's always victory. And it was scratching in me that I was praying my grandfather into the grave. So I stopped. And I, I made everybody look up. I said, forgive me. That's unbelief. I made them stop, open their eyes. I said, I... I know better than that. Let's pray again. Let's pray in faith. So we prayed again. And all of us prayed with victory. And we prayed healing and health into his body. And I remember I prayed. I told the Lord. I said, Lord, if it's time to, his time to go, well, that's fine. But you heal him first. It's not right he'd die and not be able to say goodbye. That's exactly how I prayed. Well... Right around that time, hard to measure it exactly, but right around that time, he sat right up in bed completely well. Now, what was amazing is that when he had the stroke, he had already had deteriorated eardrums, and he had to have one of those canes that has like a four legs at the bottom of the cane so he could walk with it. He couldn't walk without that cane. Well, he got healed and walked out of the hospital without a cane. Never needed his cane again. God didn't just heal him of the stroke. God healed his... You can't do that without a creative miracle. Not only that, because of the deteriorated eardrums, he had these high hearing aids. You know, the kind that would squeal like a dying rabbit every once in a while. And uh, I don't know if they still do that or not. Hopefully technology's gone on. But you know what I mean. The next day, he calls my father, you know, seven, six, seven in the morning, and he calls my dad, and he's screaming incoherently. My dad thinks, you know, he's busted a vein or something. You know, he's just screaming into the telephone, and all he can hear is the word chipmunk. <laughs> and my dad's trying to figure out why is grandpa yelling about a chipmunk? And finally, Granddad calmed down and said, You don't understand. I can hear a chipmunk outside the window woke me up. He woke up and realized he could hear without the hearing aids. So then, oh, glory. So then Dad goes up to the house. And sits down with my granddad. And my granddad said, sit down here. I won't tell you a story. While I was in the hospital, I went to heaven. 
He said, I, I was walking up this path to this huge gate in the mountains, and there's this fellow there, never did call him an angel, called him a man. He says, the biggest man I ever saw in my life. He's like 10 feet tall. And the man opened the gate and said, this is, this is for you, and you, you can, you can uh, wander through these valleys and through all these trails, and you'll never get lost. And he said, the place is full of people. And every, everyone just full of joy. And he said, Kent, that's my dad's name. He said, Kent, they're just like you and Ramona. When they praise the Lord, they put their hands up in the air over their heads. I'm not making that up. And my granddad, who had never, never done that, sitting at the kitchen table, lifts his hands over his head. He said, Kent, they're just like you and Ramona. And when they worship the Lord, they put their hands up in the air and they sing these beautiful songs. And granddad started singing a song. Now my dad obviously grew up in the house. Went to the same church my grandfather had always gone to. Knew all the songs in the hymnal. Never heard that song before in his life. Granddad singing a new song to the Lord. And he said, I, I was walking around with all these people. Praising the Lord. He's so good. And this big man came up to me again. And said, you need to go back. You're going to return. And you're going to go back. And in, and in ten days, you'll come back here. And so my granddad's telling him all this. I got ten days. So he got the pickup truck. Filled it up with gas. Which he wasn't allowed to drive. Because they took away his driver's license. <laughs> and he filled the back end of the pickup truck. And he started driving around. Giving people gallons of maple syrup. And saying goodbye to all of his friends. He went all over the place. Terry was there when we had the funeral. There were people from, from the middle of Canada. There were people from Kentucky. And there's no way he could get from one point to the other. But they both swear that he was on their doorstep with maple syrup telling them goodbye. So, I don't know if you get it or not. There was a spirit of victory in that funeral. There's a spirit of victory and faith in Jesus. He is alive. Now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ. There's no difficulty, no problem, no sickness, no disease, no pandemic, no plague, military or otherwise that can stop this mighty moving force. It's alive. It's an army. It's the army of the Lord. Spirit of victory. One more story. They're not stories. They're scriptures that have played out in people's lives. Like I said earlier this morning, sometimes your life might be the only Bible somebody ever reads. Amen. I was preaching in the David Mead Inn in Meadville, Pennsylvania, in the basement, to about 20 or 30 people that were like fanatics. Oh, we had some hot ones. They loved God. And all of a sudden, while I was preaching, the door opened about as far away as that door, and a woman walked through, and I could tell when she walked through she was unsteady. She had a bandana around her head, and it took me a minute to focus and realize she didn't have any hair. 
And she comes through the door and the Spirit of the Lord rose up on the inside of me and He said, I want to heal her today. You can't make that up. I got so excited while I'm preaching. I want to heal her today. So I finished my sermon and she, she had made her way to the back and sat down on the, on the right side, on the back, on the last row. And... Uh, it's all right, I tell this story. You probably heard it so many times. It's, is it boring? If I don't tell it right, you correct me, all right? It's a spirit of victory. So when I was done preaching, I just thought, you know, I mean, God said I want to heal her today. So it's like, and there's only like 30 of us. It's like, uh, sweetheart, I said, the Lord spoke to me. Uh, would you stand up? And she stood up, stood out in the hall, in the aisle. And I said, the Lord spoke to me when you came in. The Lord said he wanted to heal you today. Do you need healing? And she's like, I mean, she doesn't know what's going on. She was probably a little bit more disoriented than Shane when he walked into a Pentecostal church. <laughs> and uh, she, she, I guess she said yes or whatever. I said, come on up here. Let's pray for you. God wants to heal you today. I kept saying that because that's what he said to me. God wants to heal you today. So she came up and I said, sister, what is it you need from the Lord? She points to her head. She says, well, the doctor's... Say I have a brain tumor, and everything we've tried, it's not, not helped. It's continuing to grow. She said, it's about this big. It's on this side of my head. She said, the doctors say, I'm going I'm to be dead in a matter of weeks. I said, well, praise the Lord. God said he wants to heal you today. For some reason, she wasn't as excited as I was. She wasn't. I said, the Lord wants to heal you today. Let's pray. So I prayed for it. Now, the anointing is not a feeling. But I will admit, there are times you know or you, you, know, you know that you've made a connection or you know that you haven't. It's not necessarily a feeling. It's a sense. And I prayed for her to be healed in the name of Jesus. But when I took my hand off of her head... I knew she didn't get it. And it broke my heart. Because God said he wanted to heal her today. And this is off the subject, but you've got to get this, ministers. It's not about seeing a miracle. Jesus was moved with compassion and healed the sick. It's not about getting a testimony in the magazine. This is a woman and she's going to die. And I don't want her to die. And when I, when, I, when I said amen, I knew she didn't get it. I might as well have prayed for a telephone pole. She didn't get it. And I stepped back, and my spirit reached out to the Father. And I said, Lord, what, what am I doing wrong? What do I do now? What, how do I help her? And the Lord spoke to me and said, why don't you try believing me? And I was like, Whoa, I'd shut my faith off. And I saw it. I, I, and I said to the people, I said, look, look, I said, let's, we, we prayed the prayer of faith. The Bible says we've, we've received. Let's believe we received. Let's praise the Lord. So we started, and the, the congregation was strong in faith. They'd been taught faith. And they, they rose up. And they were praising the Lord. 
And so I start praising the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you for your healing power. Our sister is healed in Jesus' name. And then I'd look at her. And she just, just laying there, standing there like an unresponsive lump of clay, you know, depressed, looking around like these people are crazy. You know? So I walked up to her and I said, Sister, I said, isn't it wonderful? The Lord knew. Said he wanted to heal you. We prayed for you. Isn't it wonderful? The Lord's healed you. I said, praise the Lord, sister. I said, lift your hands up and praise the Lord. She said, we don't do that in our church. I looked at her and I said, you're not in your church. You're in my church. And we do that in our church, don't we? And everyone went, yeah, hallelujah. So I said, praise the Lord, sister. And I put my hands up there. Hallelujah, praise you, Jesus. Not even a peep. I mean, she might have said, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's not the spirit of victory. I said, sister, praise the Lord. And then I did the unthinkable. And I grabbed her wrists. She's just a tiny, frail little thing. And I grabbed her wrist and I lifted her arms up above her head. I said, praise the Lord, sister. Praise the Lord. And I'm looking right in her eyeball to eyeball. Praise the Lord. And she's like, praise the Lord, you know. <laughs> I'm shaking this poor little woman. I'm thinking, okay. <laughs> Lawsuits. <laughs> and I let her arms down and I backed up. I said, Lord, help me. And then I saw what to do. And I said, sister, have you seen an x-ray of this tumor? Oh, yeah. And she came alive. You know, some people like to talk about their problem. As soon as I said that, she came alive. Oh, yeah. It's on the upper right side of my head. It's about this big. Oh, okay, okay. You've seen the x-ray. Yeah. I said, what would happen if tomorrow they take a new x-ray they show you the old x-ray. They show you the new x-ray. And there's nothing there. What would you do? She looked at me. Oh. I guess I'd shout. It's exactly what she said. I guess I'd shout. I said, shout, sister! <laughs> she said, we don't do that in our church. I said, shout! It's not your church, it's our church. I said, shout! And I started shouting in her face. And all of a sudden, something clicked. She saw an x-ray with no tumor. And she started screaming. I said, scream, sister. And she started screaming. This little, frail little woman started screaming. <laughs> Glory to God. A spirit of victory came on her. And a week later, she walked in there. The tumor was gone. Last I heard through Sue Fraker, she's still alive in Texas. No tumor. No tumor. Why? Thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ. Always. So I only got one thing to say to you. Scream!
That's how you end drug addiction. With the spirit of victory. That's how you, d- you chase depression right out of your house. And even if it's your kids that are depressed. <laughs> A spirit of victory. Whew. Well, stand up on your feet. I don't feel led in my heart. When you first started, I looked over and saw Marie. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about her in Greenfield when she came to the church. And she sat there. Now look at her whole family's here. <laughs> Every band. Jesus. Every door. I was so excited. And then you shared that whole story about that he came to that village just for that one girl. She was there that night. Scream, sister. Woo! <laughs> Glory to God. I know you think it's a little bit strange. Take all your bills and all your debts and put them on a table in front of you and just scream. <laughs> you scream when you open the open the envelope. <laughs> sort of what I'm talking about. <laughs> Victory is yours if you take it. If you take it, if you take it, you can walk in victory. Lord bless these people. You have anything else, sweetheart? Boy. It's one thing I love about Terry. She doesn't talk a lot, but when she does, you better listen. Father, no hopelessness in this room. No fear in this room. No depression in this room. No death in this room. Victory and triumph. The tongue with interpretation said, Victory and triumph is in this place. Thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. I'm above and not beneath. Thank you, Father. Keep us safe as we go home and bring us back tomorrow as we add 
precept upon precept and build a higher level of faith in our hearts to receive more, to see more, and to do more in the kingdom. Bless you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll let you off at 9 o'clock tonight. I'm not going to promise tomorrow night. But as we go, and as faith builds in the environment, miracles, miracles, miracles. Good evening. Welcome to Church of the Word International this great Monday night for the Armada Landmark. You're going to be so blessed. How many were here today for the meetings? Oh, well, get your expectancy out because tonight is more and greater yet to come. Amen. First night. Wow. We have so much to look forward to. Well, let's uh, thank God and praise the Lord and let's all worship everybody standing up to worship the Lord. He is so worthy of our worship and our praise. Amen. Almighty God, we come before you tonight with expectancy. There's such fertile ground in this place, watered by the Spirit, such a precious anointing you've brought to us tonight, Father. Thank you. Have your way. We yield ourselves. 
we all of us yield ourselves to be used of the Holy Spirit. Go on and be filled afresh right now. Be filled again. Be filled with a fresh infilling of the Holy Ghost. Breathe in the breath of God. Oh, Father, let that the dew, the dew of your mountain fall upon us. We worship you, Lord Jesus. I worship you. I worship you. I worship you. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh, Father. Oh, Father. Just let the weariness run out of you. Let the Spirit of God cleanse. Let the Spirit of God refresh. Let the Spirit of God strengthen. Let the undoement of power from on high come upon these vessels here in this room, O Lord. We thank you for your presence, your manifest presence. We thank you for your presence. Oh, we worship you. We worship you. Go on just another step further into the Spirit and be healed. Go on and receive your healing. Go on and receive your healing now. Let the Spirit of God revitalize the cells, the ligaments, the nervous systems. Let the power of the Lord bring healing right now. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We welcome you, Spirit of the Lord. Just a bit further, just a bit further. Just a bit higher. Come up a bit higher. Let the praises of God come out of your heart. Out of your heart. Thankfulness. Thankfulness. Gratefulness. Gratefulness. Joy. Joy. Joy in the morning. Joy in the Lord's presence. Glorious Lord. Glorious Jesus. Speak it out. There's been caution in the wind, and it's time the wind shifts and changes. That caution has got to go because it's a spirit. It's a spirit of fear that has gripped so, so, so many. So just take hold and open up your heart right now. The Spirit of God is going to fill. I see, I see, I see fear leaving right now, right now, right now. Just lift your hands, lift your hands. Say, go! 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 Joy, come. Come! 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 Ha! 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 Ha!
Right now, just let it out. Let it out. Let it out. There's healing right now. Healing right now. Manifestations of healing power flowing right now. Right now. Just receive it. Receive it. Receive it. Times of refreshing in the presence of the Lord. <laughs> oh, I'm reminded I was about 16 years old, got filled with the Holy Spirit. My mother and I were the only ones in the family full of the Holy Spirit. My dad was a superintendent of the Sunday school in a Methodist church and as dry as a old post. <laughs> and he thought we were crazy. And uh, my mom subscribed to Kenneth Hagin's Tape of the Month Club. And we had to drive to Pittsburgh, a two-hour drive, to pick up my brother at the airport. So my mom was all excited because we hadn't listened to this tape yet. We're going to put it in and make my dad will be a captive audience for two hours. We're going to make him listen to a Kenneth Hagin teaching tape. And he's such a good teacher, and it's always so simple and really helpful. And we put that tape in, and it was 90 minutes of Kenneth Hagin laughing in the Spirit. There wasn't even a Bible verse. <laughs> he, he got to the pulpit and started laughing, and we were too embarrassed to shut it off. We listened to the whole thing. We, we got him into the kingdom anyway. I don't know how. Don't be ashamed of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If that's what it takes to run people off, maybe they ought to be run off. <laughs> Amen. Well, you know, one way you love God's by loving one another. So turn around and grab somebody's hand, hug somebody's neck, love on somebody. Tell them your name. Ask theirs. We're a body here. Love is here. Jesus is here. I don't, I don't know. I, I was thinking I'd have to be wild to keep you awake after that feast we had downstairs. Whoo, is it nap time or what? Glory to God. That was good, good eatings. Thank you, Shawnee and the Zimmerman family. Wow. I don't know where they went. That was a taste of South Africa. And uh, South Africa tastes pretty good. I think we got all kinds of stuff lined up this week. Different cuisines and flavors and spices. And I think taste and see that the Lord is good. Eat the fat and drink the sweet, the Bible says. And then exercise. Oh, the Lord's so good. Praise the Lord. 
Well, we're going to real quick receive an offering this evening. We're not going to give it much time. You're, you're mature in the Lord and you know how to give. And we're thankful for it. If you need an envelope, our ushers have envelopes. If you're giving in cash, just fill that out. It says Church of the Word International on there, but the offering tonight will go to the Armada landmark and to all the expenses and to help bless the speakers and send them back blessed and uh, other things that, that we may need to, to attend to financially. We appreciate your support. Isn't God good? You just, you just sow and you reap. Amen. Just comes back on every wave. Hallelujah. And, and, and I, I just thank God early on as a teenager, someone taught me the power of the tithe, the power of sowing and reaping. And it has sustained us through our life. You know, we're the only ones competent and qualified to make it through an economic upheaval. I, I don't, my needs aren't met according to the stock market. They're met according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And stock in Jesus is up. <laughs> Every day. That's right. Hallelujah. And if you're worried about it, in the kingdom of God, unemployment doesn't exist. We've got a job for you. Amen. He's an equal opportunity employer because it's all faith. You got your offering with you? Amen. Let's pray over it. Heavenly Father, we thank you for every seed sown. It represents the, the life and the efforts and the wisdom of these people. And as they bring that gift and that offering before you, for you surely receive it, I ask you to bless them. Bless them with prosperity. Bless them with wholeness, soundness, and health in their life and in their family. No, no, no plague. No plague comes nigh their dwelling. And with long life, you satisfy them in Jesus' name. They all said, Amen. Amen. And the ushers will wait upon the people. The people will be obedient unto the Lord. Hallelujah. We're off to a start. I know Sunday morning, Pastor Sidney was preaching and the worship was so anointed. I thought, well, maybe we ought to just cancel the landmark. We had everything today. It was good. And tonight was gooder. It's so good, good, gooder and gooder. I don't know if you can make that sound right in a song, but you'll work on that. Huh? <laughs> ain't nothing but a lion praising all the time. Yeah, ain't it? not a hound dog. Anyway, <clears throat> that'll be Bob. He'll get to singing sometime in this week. We'll, we'll, we'll squeeze the minstrel out of him. Are y'all blessed? Anybody here? Is this your first landmark? Anybody here for the first? Look at the hands. Praise the Lord. Lord, forgive them. In Jesus' name. But we're glad you finally made it. 32nd landmark. Praise the Lord. Hard to believe that, but I don't know if I'm looking as old as Bob, but we're getting there. My wife keeps getting younger, though. I don't know how she's doing that. Amen. Renews our youth like the eagle.